and the toast was drunk in ginger wine and water out of willow patterned teacups because the glasses couldn't be found. They all felt that they had been a little hard on Aunt Emma. She wasn't a nice, cuddly person like Mother, but after all, it was she who had thought of packing up the odds and ends of things to eat. It was Aunt Emma, too, who had aired all the sheets ready, and the men who had moved the furniture had put the bedsteads together, so the beds were soon made. Good night, chickies, said Mother. I'm sure there aren't any rats. But I'll leave my door open, and then if a mouse comes, you need only scream, and I'll come and tell it exactly what I think of it. Then she went to her own room. Roberta woke to hear the little travelling clock chime too. It sounded like a church clock ever so far away, she always thought. And she heard, too, Mother still moving about in her room. Next morning, Roberta woke Phyllis by pulling her hair gently, but quite enough for her purpose. What's the matter? asked Phyllis, still almost wholly asleep. Wake up, wake up, said Roberta. We're in the new house, don't you remember? No servants or anything. Let's get up and begin to be useful. We'll just creep down mouse quietly and have everything beautiful before Mother gets up. I've woke Peter. He'll be dressed as soon as we are. So they dressed quietly and quickly. Of course, there was no water in their room, so when they got down, they washed as much as they thought was necessary under the spout of the pump in the yard. One pumped and the other washed. It was splashy but interesting. It's much more fun than basin washing, said Roberta. How sparkly the weeds are between the stones, and the moss on the roof. Oh, and the flowers! The roof of the back kitchen sloped down quite low. It was made of thatch, and it had moss on it, and house leeks, and stone crop, and wallflowers. And even a clump of purple flag flowers at the far corner. This is far, far, far and away prettier than Edgecombe Villa, said Phyllis. I wonder what the garden's like. We mustn't think of the garden yet, said Roberta with earnest energy. Let's go in and begin to work. They lighted the fire and put the kettle on, and they arranged the crockery for breakfast. They could not find all the right things, but a glass ash tray made an excellent salt cellar, and a newish baking tin seemed as if it would do to put bread on, if they had any. When there seemed to be nothing more that they could do, they went out again into the fresh, bright morning. We'll go into the garden now, said Peter. But somehow they couldn't find the garden. They went round the house and round the house. The yard occupied the back, and across it were stables and outbuildings. On the other three sides, the house stood simply in a field without a yard of garden to divide it from the short, smooth turf. And yet they had certainly seen the garden wall the night before. It was a hilly country. Down below they could see the line of the railway and the black, yawning mouth of a tunnel. The station was out of sight. There was a great bridge with tall arches running across one end of the valley. Never mind the garden, said Peter. Let's go down and look at the railway. There might be trains passing. We can see them from here, said Roberta slowly. Let's sit down a bit. So they all sat down on a great flat grey stone that had pushed itself up out of the grass. It was one of many that lay about on the hillside. And when Mother came out to look for them at eight o'clock, she found them deeply asleep in a contented, sun warmed bunch. They had made an excellent fire and had set the kettle on it at about half past five, so that by eight the fire had been out for some time, the water had all boiled away, and the bottom was burned out of the kettle. Also, they had not thought of washing the crockery before they set the table. But it doesn't matter, the cups and saucers, I mean, said Mother, because I've found another room. I'd quite forgotten there was one. And it's magic. And I've boiled the water for tea in a saucepan. The forgotten room opened out of the kitchen. In the agitation and half darkness the night before, its door had been mistaken for a cupboard's. It was a little square room, and on its table, all nicely set out, was a joint of cold roast beef with bread, butter, cheese, and a pie. 
pie for breakfast, cried Peter. How perfectly ripping! It isn't pigeon pie, said Mother. It's only apple. Well, this is the supper we ought to have had last night. And there was a note from Mrs. Viney. Her son in law has broken his arm and she had to get home early. She's coming this morning at ten. That was a wonderful breakfast. It is unusual to begin the day with cold apple pie, but the children all said they would rather have it than meat. You see, it's more like dinner than breakfast to us, said Peter, passing his plate for more, because we were up so early. The day passed in helping Mother to unpack and arrange things. Six small legs quite ached with running about while their owners carried clothes and crockery and all sorts of things to their proper places. It was not till quite late in the afternoon that Mother said, There, that'll do for today. I'll lie down for an hour so as to be as fresh as a lark by supper time. Then they all looked at each other. Each of the three expressive countenances expressed the same thought. 